630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The Edmonton Oilers will play at San Jose tomorrow. The face-off show will be at 7. The game will start at 8.30. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. The Oilers have won three in a row, all of them in dramatic fashion. Overtime against the Avalanche, hanging on against L.A., not being able to hang on against Anaheim and then winning in a shootout. Trade deadline talk here on Inside Sports. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Tampa Bay made a big deal today as well. We'll bring in Matt Salmon, director of broadcast for the Tampa Bay Lightning, a little bit later on. The Lightning are currently playing, so I taped this interview with Matt earlier today. Lightning and Maple Leafs tied 2-2 late in the second period. Flyers and Canadians scoreless also late in the second. Early in the third, Columbus up 4-1 on the Capitals. All the goal scoring in the first period. Ovechkin got his 39th. Mark Letestu back with the Blue Jackets from the Oilers. He scores well through Nashville. Canucks and Avalanche coming up later, as are the Golden Knights and the Kings. All right. JB says, hey, Reed, if I'm an Oilers player and I know that starting next year, $21 million of salary is going to be tied up in two players, what's my incentive to put up big numbers knowing the money is not there for my fair value or I'm going to get traded? Well, JB, I would hope uh, players have personal motivation to play well and uh, maybe get that money. If it's not with the Oilers, maybe they can get it somewhere else. I wouldn't think... uh, Here's the thing. Right now, the Oilers need players who are cheap to produce. And then you might have to keep those players till the end of their contracts. I mean, younger players who are cheaper still are under team control because they're restricted free agents. For example, Darnell Nurse has had a pretty good year. Uh, he will be a free agent in the summer, but a restricted free agent, so the Oilers still have some control there on, on keeping him. So I, I would hope players are, are motivated regardless of what other guys on the team are able to make. Here is Beverly on line four. Hey, Beverly. Hi, Reid. How are you? Good. I'd just like to make a comment on the uh, Sorelli uh, trying to trade Maroon. Uh, you know, uh, don't you think that he would have got a be- he would have gotten a better deal if he could? I mean, the trade was made right at the very last minute, which meant that he was trying to do the best he could for Maroon. And you know, everyone's complaining, but he just he couldn't do it. He would he, if he could, if he could have he would have you know. <laughs> Well, I would, I would, I would hope so. I, I mean, yeah. I, re- I remember making this point with the Taylor Hall trade that, yeah. it, in my experience, general managers don't wake up in the morning and say, "What trade can I intentionally make that will make the fans mad and my team worse?" <laughs> right. Um, did, I mean, was did he hold out? He did say that it was a tough market. Yeah. Shiro from New Jersey said that the price for Maroon went down at the end. Yeah. Now, if Shirelli would have maybe softened on what he was asking earlier, could have he got a little more? Uh, maybe. But, yes, it's not as if he turned down, no. you know, Alexander Ovechkin did, for Maroon. He did the best he could with what, he, with what ha- you know, the situation. And, I mean, I really like Maroon, but, I mean, I'm sad to see him go. I mean, maybe he'll come back. But i also like to make another quick comment about Lucic. Sure. Um, you know... 
the poor guy, he's going through a really hard time, and I understand it's going to be really hard. I mean, he's trying out there. But, you know, he is also, uh, he's a, a big, strong guy. If he's not scoring, at least go out there and make some big hits. Like, I watched the game the other night, and I don't think I heard his name Hart mentioned once about a good hit or a good check or anything. You know, he should at least, I mean, we know he can check and he can hit. So at least he should be doing that. And I don't see it. I mean, I've, I've seen him doing it, but not recently. He hasn't been making these big hits, especially when he's not scoring. Yeah, you know, not a lot. At least, yeah, I th- yeah, at I th- least go up there and hit. We know he can do that, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's the, yeah. Beverly, the, 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 I, I see that there's not much I can say except he's having a just a, yeah. a horrible time right now. But, but that's what I'm saying. At least he'll feel better if he goes out and then everyone says, oh, you know, and they cheer when he hits. Right. You know, they're happy when he does it. And that's one thing we know he can do. So until his scoring comes back, at least be doing that. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's beyond me. I can't understand. Yeah, you, know? you got to find a way to impact the game because you won't yeah. score. You won't score every game for sure. Anyway, we've been playing better, but now that we're kind of out of the running, I figured this would happen. Yeah, we'll, well, you're true. The pressure's off a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks, Beverly. Okay, bye-bye. 780-496-0063. Terry on the line as well. Hey, Terry. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to blame Shirelli for all this. Uh, things happen like the NHL pad changed. There's a bunch of things that happen. It's just going to be some teams got up to speed a little faster. Like I'm a Jets fan too and an Oilers fan because the Jets were gone for a long time. But whatever. Um, Jets are doing good. And as long as the Oilers model themselves after what the Jets are doing with this speed and fast skating stuff, the Oilers have more than enough talent there. They'll come through this. Well, I'll tell you what, Terry, the Jets got goaltending. They scored, as I think they were one goal apart from the Oilers last year, but they couldn't keep the puck out of their net. Goaltending is a huge boost for Winnipeg this season. Yeah, so Shirelli will have some work to do in the offseason, but I think it's not fair to, to, to start hanging the goaltending horns on them so fast. Eh? Okay, thanks, Terry. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. That is Terry at 780-496-0063. A few people have texted in, I want, I want to get to this here, about Mike Camilleri. He's another unrestricted free agent. Was there interest in him? Could have uh, Camilleri been moved as well? And uh, Shirelli also then gets into a com- comment about Pontus Aberg, who's expected to debut for the Oilers tomorrow. Uh, to suggest I was surprised would suggest that I was moving him, but uh, there was the, the, but there, there was not a lot of interest, nor did I actively shop him. It was kind of a reciprocal thing. Um, Aberg is... Uh, uh, He's got he's got some speed. He's got a good shot. He uh, he competes. Why, so why isn't he in the NHL on a full time basis? That's the big question. Um, we feel that he is an NHL player. Um, he plays either side. Um, Todd will work him into the lineup slowly, so he'll probably start on the lower lines and work his way up. All right, Aberg. Look, they're taking a chance on Aberg. He is not a sure thing. He's uh, more potential than actual, but he's closer to the actual than, than anything else the Oilers got at the deadline. And uh, there's really said he said he didn't shop uh, Camilleri and no one was asking about him. So I guess pretty simple answer there. This texture says the Oilers were too small, so the direction was to get big and tough to be able to compete in the West. Now the Oilers are too big and too slow to compete. There's one common denominator there, compete. 
Where was the compete from all of the veterans that were brought to the team by Shirelli in the first half of the year when the team lacked effort and consistency? Suddenly, we need to jump on the we-need-speed bandwagon. I think the focus should be on filling the room with players more concerned about the crest on the front, not the name on the back. Coaching staff needs to be held accountable as well. Defense and special teams have been horrendous. Players carry the burden. But when something isn't working, why would you continue running the same system? Well, I think fair, uh, really good comments about the special teams. I think the coaches have to take a, a share of responsibility there. The PK, I, it, it, I'll say this, it's hard to figure out because it's pretty good on the road. It's been horrendous at home, though better lately. So that's that's a hard one. The, the power play is incredibly frustrating. I think it's below 10%. Um, a, there isn't a lot of personnel to put on there in terms of power play experience. Um B, I, I mean, I think there's been some stubbornness from the players, and the I, I think the coaching staff needs to somehow. I, I mean, Rob talks about it all the time. The power play starts when you shoot, and you get the defensive players to turn, look for the puck, try to scramble for a rebound, and uh, and the Oilers have not had a shooting mentality most of the year on the power play. And let me ask you this, everybody, just this is a bit of an aside. Maybe we'll get more into this another night. A lot of times you talk about a big shot from the point. Do the Oilers actually have a, a blue liner, though, a defenseman on the power play who can walk the line and change the angle of the shot and get it through? I don't think they have somebody very proficient at that either. Anyway, that's a, a bit of an aside for most of the trade deadline talk today. All right, 780-496-0063. It's quarter after 7. We will bring in Matt Salmon to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning's big trade today when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, uh, had a call there from Beverly about Milan Lucic. Uh, rugged from Saskatoon texting in. Says the uh, Penguins traded Reeves and exposed Sidney Crosby to abuse again. Connor has to deal with almost zero extra abuse. So Lucic is chewing up cap and average production. Well, that's fair trade if Connor gets to stay healthy and never gets headshots or tackled or any of the stuff Sid or Giroux or Stamkos has to endure. Let Connor have security and protection for a few seasons at least. All it takes is one elbow or shoulder pad. On the other side of the ledger is Howie. And by the way, Howie, it is uh, Reed hosting. Tell Beverly Lucic isn't hitting because he can't skate fast enough to catch anyone. Lucic is a terrible player for his $6 million U.S. contract. You know what what we should do as like an experiment? We should just take two random Oilers fans and put them in a room and write five random Oilers topics on a page and see if any two Oilers fans would agree on all five. I doubt it. But in the meantime... You can text 630-630 or call 780-496-0063. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Now open Wednesdays, which is a bonus. Don't miss the five-course, five-bench creek brewing beer dinner on March 5th. Tickets are just 50 bucks. More details at northchickenyeg.com. All right, the trade by the Lightning today. They get Ryan McDonough and JT Miller from the Rangers, they give up Vladislav Nemesnikov, a 2018 first-rounder, a conditional 2019 second-rounder, and two good prospects, Brett Howden and Libor Hayek, to discuss the Lightning Director of Broadcasting, Matt Salmon. Matt, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Uh, doing well, Reed. Just another uh, day at the office with a, a big trade and a big 
intra-division game tonight, so we're all good here in Tampa. Yeah, well, the the Lightning making a splash, getting McDonough and Miller, and, uh, we, you know, you kind of maybe expected that the Lightning might dangle some prospects to try to add to their team. Give, give us your sense of, of why they, they coveted McDonough and Miller and how this one shook down, Matt. Well, I think, you know, obviously a lot of eyes were on Eric Carlson, and I'm sure that... Uh, you know, the Lightning were kicking the tires on, on a possible trade with the Ottawa Senators. But, you know, based on the rumors and reports from some pretty uh, reliable sources, uh, the, the Bobby Ryan being thrown into the deal, that was just financially and logistically was just going to be, a, you know, a, a deal breaker right there. And uh, Ryan McDonough, you know, a, a guy who's got plenty of years of experience in this league, uh, certainly knows the Eastern Conference well with his years with the Rangers, certainly knows knows uh, quite a bit of the Lightning roster well, considering their former Rangers, uh, but also a guy who, you know, I've likened a little bit, even though he hasn't won a cup, I likened him a little bit to Daryl Sador, that type of defenseman uh, that the Lightning acquired back in the 2004 Stanley Cup run. Uh, yeah, Carlson's got a little more flash, would have been fun pairing him up with Victor Hedman, but uh, Ryan McDonough's going to be able to uh, carry his own here. Uh, also won't you know have to play number one minutes by any stretch of the imagination and really the key to any deal with steve eiserman is is that he doesn't have to give up too much and i know there's you know some draft picks and prospects and vlad nemesnikov who's had a a great season going the other way but when you look at the big picture with what what this organization has clearly they felt that mcdonough uh at the right price uh, along with J.T. Miller, we're, we're going to be uh, a couple of key cogs in this team's Stanley Cup run this year. Well, and, and the Lightning remain, obviously, a, I think they would have been a favorite to go deep regardless of this trade, but they, they round out uh, the roster a little bit. I, I, I brought up the po- the prospects. Um, you know, how difficult do you think it was for the Lightning to part with those guys? I know they've drafted well. Uh, and they have, you know, they, I think they have a lot of players in the system who they like, a couple who are on the Canadian junior team. But how difficult do you think it was for them to ultimately part with those two prospects today? I, I think it's difficult because, you know, Steve Eisman really covets prospects and draft picks. They are very hard to pry out of his hands unless the right deal is out there. But I think you have to see that this is a clear message that Eisenman thinks that if not this season, the next season it's the Lightning's best chance to win the Stanley Cup. And I don't think that's a shock to anybody, really. But, you know, that that's why you've got the condition. You've got the first round pick in 2018 because you're looking at more than likely a quote-unquote bottom five pick in the first round here, which many analysts will say is just as good as an early second round draft pick. The conditional pick in 2019 as well, if the Lightning win the Cup, they forfeit the first round pick as opposed to a second round pick. Of course, if the Lightning wins the Cup, they won't be too upset about that anyways. But as for the prospects, Brett Howe first round selection. Libor Hayek was acquired in a trade two summers ago for former first round pick Anthony D'Angelo. So in many ways, it's almost like trading two first round draft picks. Uh, I know that Hayek and Howden are going to have bright futures eventually playing in this league. But again, you know, seeing that 
Eisenman clearly believes that the the time is now or very very soon for this team to to you know strike for the Stanley Cup. Guys like Hayek and, and Howden, even though they probably have bright futures, you're still looking right now five six years down the road. Who knows what this team is like at that point in time? Why take the risk of hoping those guys turn out to be good players? Get a couple of known uh, quality players now and take a chance of winning it all. Matt Salmon joining us from the Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network. One more for you, and I'm going to get dreadfully ahead of myself, so I apologize. <laughs> Tampa Bay is currently first in the Atlantic. There's 20 games left. They've far from, from sewn up that spot. But in a seven-game series... Who do you think would be a tougher matchup for the Lightning, the Maple Leafs or the Bruins? That is a million-dollar question here because if the Lightning falls to second or third in the division, you're playing one of those two teams, and they're not going to be fun opponents to play against. Uh, If the Lightning gets... Uh, a Metropolitan Division team in the first round, then you're getting the survivor of that Bruins-Maple Leafs battle in the second, which is no picnic either. Personally, I would lean more towards, and when I say lean, I mean like 55 to 45, (laughs) lean, lean more towards the Bruins being the tougher opponent simply because even though this is a completely different Boston Bruins team than what you had even three years ago, never mind uh, seven years ago when these two teams did meet up in the conference final, you still have the big bad Bruin mystique. Uh, they they still can uh, get the, the knuckle-dragging crowd uh, in Boston, hooting and hollering for penalty calls and stuff like that. Of course, you have that pest Brad Marchand too. Rask is more often than not outstanding in the playoffs. Uh, but with that said, as we will see tonight with the Toronto Maple Leafs here, you know, the Maple Leafs have speed. They have youth. They have energy. Frederick Anderson's played extremely well. So that's why I give the slight advantage to the Bruins. But uh, it will not be if, if the Lightning, if this is their year to get to the Stanley Cup final and win it, it will not be an easy road because one way or the other, you're going to have to face off against one of those two teams, and, and it will be a difficult road ahead. All right. Well, enjoy the game tonight. Should be a good showdown against the Maple Leafs. Matt, thanks for uh, giving us the Tampa Bay perspective. Interesting team to watch. Oh, and hey, the uh, Oilers still playing one more time this season, so that'll be fun. Thanks, buddy. That's right. Yeah, yeah, the the fun Sunday afternoon start here, uh, but we're looking forward to it. We'll see everybody here in just a few weeks. All right, so I, I obviously taped that with Matt because he's currently covering the game. The Lightning lead the Maple Leafs 3-2. There was a crazy highlight. A, a puck went right around, uh, right along the goal line and spun out. You'll see that uh, on all the highlight shows. And apparently Kucherov has let, left the game with a suspected injury, so there's something to keep an eye on. I'll update the rest of the scoreboard, and this is going to be cool. Unfortunately, a tough result for the U of A Pandas hockey team, but an epic game, four overtimes. We'll have one of the Pandas players who took part when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Cam Talbot playing well lately. It was Al Montoya in for him last night as the Oilers got that crazy 6-5 win over the Anaheim Ducks. Oilers back at it tomorrow against 
the San Jose Sharks. 7 o'clock face-off show here on 6.30. Chad, game at 8.30, so we'll have an hour of inside sports from 6 to 7. Yeah, Nikita Kucherov uh, ruled out of tonight's game between Tampa Bay and Toronto, suffered an undisclosed injury. Just seeing Chris Johnston putting that out there on Twitter. The game is 3-2 for the Lightning after 2. Now 5-1, Columbus taking it to Washington tonight. They're into the final minute of the game. Early third, no score, Flyers and Canadians. Late first period, no score, Canucks and Avalanche. Vegas at Los Angeles, the late game tonight. You can get everything on the NHL trade deadline on 630Ched.com. We have uh, the full story on the Maroon trade. We have audio with Peter Shirelli and a trade tracker with all the trades that went down today. Patrick Maroon to New Jersey, third-round draft pick in 2019, and prospect J.D. Dudek, who's playing for Boston College. We're going to have uh, Laura Berestecki on the show a little bit later on. She covers Boston College hockey, so she'll let you know about Dudek and two other Oilers prospects who play for B.C. Well, quite a game last night. This uh, caught my attention the longer it went on. The U of A Pandas playing Game 3, the deciding game in their Canada West semifinal against the Manitoba Bisons. Unfortunately, the Pandas lost 1-0. The overtime lasted 73 minutes and 30 seconds. So the overtime lasted an entire game plus another 13-30. It was in the fourth overtime. Manitoba won it. One nothing to advance. The second longest game ever in Canada West women's hockey. I'm pleased to welcome Kirsten Chamberlain back to the show. She was the Pandas goaltender in that contest. Uh, Kirsten, I wish we had you on talking about a win, but thanks for making time for us tonight. How are you feeling today after that marathon game? Uh, yeah, no worries. Uh, a little sore, obviously a little tired, but uh, not too bad, all things considered. All right. I mean, I assume this is the longest game you've ever been involved at. I know it's the second longest Canada West game, but at any other level, had you ever played a game that anywhere near that long? No, not even close. I know, like, growing up um, in Bantam and Midget, um, we never really had overtimes. We'd have, like, one overtime, four on four, and then it goes straight to shootout. So um, always kind of growing up, I was never really a part of too long of a game like that. So at what point, and I know you're very focused on the game, but did you ever have that moment in net or in an intermission in the dressing room where you're thinking, okay, this is pretty surreal, like this is nuts, I don't know when this is going to end? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> we were all kind of thinking that and between periods and then, of course, like between uh, overtime intermissions, we're all just kind of sitting there like uh, wondering who was going to do it, like who was going to put the puck in the net, and we are trying to stay positive and obviously we really want to come out there um with a win but um of course you get to that point in the game and and you're you're hoping that someone someone can end it you know i work with rob brown who used to play in the nhl he played a five overtime game in the nhl and he said at one point i, I somebody ordered pizza for the intermissions what what did you guys do to keep fueled up yeah our coaches uh went and grabbed us a bunch of gatorades and uh we actually had starburst and granola bars and crackers and and after each overtime, we kind of came in. And we're like, okay, guys, we gotta we gotta keep eating because we gotta keep our energy up here. And uh, that that was really important because especially by you know the second overtime, even you're you're exhausted and it's it's really hard to stay focused and to keep energetic on the bench, especially. I don't know if I mentioned this game also ended one nothing. So uh, you and your your counterpart for for Manitoba 
both basically had two games worth of uh, shutouts, and it was then decided in the in the seventh period. Was there? Uh, did you guys have any close calls where you came close to winning? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, both teams. It's very back and forth. It was a really tight and a really fast-paced game for the most part. I mean, uh, Manitoba finished first, and although we were fourth, we weren't uh, too far behind them in points. And, uh, and, t- and definitely in skill, we we're we we're very well matched. So it was a tight, tight game, and there was scoring chances in either end. My net front scrambles, breakaways, three on ones, two on ones, but uh, just no one, no one could uh, put the puck in the net. I guess. What would you think was your best save in the game, Kirsten? Uh, my best save of the game, I would say, there was a point where there was a bit of a miscommunication in our D zone, and um, the puck got uh, fired up to the point and. Uh, one of their um, leading scores uh, took a one-timer, and I was able to get that one. So I was, I was pretty pumped about that. Uh, I, I mean, I hate to ask you this, but it is part of the story. Can you tell us about the the goal that went in, and uh, you know, just how you dealt with it in those uh, first few moments after the season ended? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was. They, I think they were either just gone off power play, or it was just gone off off a. Uh, a couple of um, high-scoring chances, and so they had a lot of energy, and they were cycling the puck in, in our zone for probably about a minute before um, one of their uh, leading players. Um, she was uh, she actually just got back from the Olympics uh, with Team Finland. She passed the puck down uh, below, and there was a kind of a backdoor uh, shot, sort of redirection, and it just I just I just missed it. So uh, really unfortunate, but I it, you know it was a good goal and coming from great players. It's, it had to happen at some point in the game. Someone had to make a mistake somewhere. So um, it's too bad that it was on our end of the spectrum for sure. But, you know, it, it kind of comes to the territory. When you're playing at that that level, you kind of have to um, accept that losing is part of the game. Kirsten Chamberlain from the Pandas hockey team, goaltender, joining us. Uh, they lost one nothing in four overtimes last night to the Manitoba Bisons. Absolutely epic game. Somebody texting in saying, what was the shot total in this game? Kirsten, weren't the, sh- weren't the shots kind of a little bit low for a game that lasted this long, the actual shots on net? Yeah, I, I believe they're around uh, 40 for the Bisons and maybe around 30 for us. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's not that'd be typical in, in a regular game, really, but I think just because our teams are so evenly matched and, and we play sort of similar structured games, it was hard for, for girls to get shots through, and especially on both ends of the of the ice, people were uh, blocking shots left, right, and center because everyone was really wanting to get that win, and they're willing to do whatever it took. So, you know, the shots weren't uh, too crazy, but I think still a lot of action, so still, still a very tiring game. Uh, what's, your, what's the name of the other goaltender on the team again? Uh, I believe it's Lauren Tereshuk. No, no, on your 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 counter your teammate. Oh, our team, uh, Dana Owen. Right, because I had you two on earlier. Because didn't you guys right. have what was it six consecutive shutouts combined? Yeah, we did. Right. So and and then I know you guys allowed a goal that weekend and were a few minutes short of the Canada West record. And I was immediately yeah, blamed by the U of A PR department, but my interview jinxed uh, jinxed you guys, so you didn't get the record. Why? Tell me. Why, like even historically, you can go back several years, why are uni- women's university hockey games generally so low scoring? Is it all goaltending? Is it is it system? Is it maybe the offensive players don't finish as often as in, in the men's game? Why do you think? Uh, I mean, I think it's maybe a combination of a little bit of all those things. Um, we, uh, I think especially this year, uh, the goaltending in our league was, 
extremely strong. Um, if you look, if you look at, take a look at our our goaltending style leaders, the numbers were unheard of. And I think, I think this year there was a big push for um, for our goalies and for to compete for that top spot. And I think as well, we lost some of our our big name players who graduated last year who were putting pucks in the net. So I think um, you lose some of those goal scorers, and then naturally. Um, goaltenders are playing a little bit better and they're they're improving every year they go on. What made you want to be a goalie? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I, I mostly just liked the equipment when I was young. <laughs> I like to be able to design equipment and, you know, pick a helmet and I can design a helmet that's that's all my own and I think I also kind of like to have control of the game. I, I like knowing that if I do everything I can um, then I can give my team the best chance to win, and I can always be a deciding factor in a game. Right on. Well, you had an incredible season. Uh, sorry it didn't work out last night. I wish we were talking about a preview of the Canada West final rather than this, but but a memorable yeah. game nonetheless. Uh, now that you, you, I guess you don't have to practice this week, what are you going to do with yourself? Are you going to go to the men's games on the weekend or what? Uh, yeah, I think some of us are going to go out and support the guys' teams, but also right now we're really focusing on school. We're in the middle of midterms and whatnot, so... A lot of girls are pretty stressed out over that, so it's good that we got some time to relax and so, focus so, on our so, studies for sure. So no, no relaxation from the. What are you studying again? I'm in a bachelor of science with a major of psychology. All right. Well, I hope I gave you a study break or some sort of a break here with this interview. Great to have you on the show again. Congratulations uh, on a great season. You played incredible, and hope we can do this again. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you very much. That is Kirsten Chamberlain, goaltender for the U of A Pandas. A, a memorable game. Didn't get the result they wanted. 73 and a half minutes of overtime. Just of overtime. They, they were into the seventh period. Unfortunately, the uh, Pandas lose one nothing to the Manitoba Bisons and are, are eliminated. But great for Kirsten to come on the show, uh, even though they didn't get the win yesterday. That's really cool. Okay, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, want to remind you, some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Now open Wednesdays. Don't miss the five-course, five-Bench Creek Brewing beer dinner on March 5th. Tickets are just 50 bucks. More details at northchickenyeg.com. Great spot, 124th Street, 107th Avenue. A lot of you are asking me, what do we know about J.D. Dudek, the guy the Oilers got in the trade for Patrick Maroon? Well, Laura Berestecki covers Boston College hockey. She'll tell you about Dudek when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. selection Kellen Kennedy how you doing old buddy doing great must have been a long day for you but it was fun to see where all these guys ended up at the end of the day it's been good it's been a good day I enjoy days like this were you tweeting about wrestling last night during the Oilers game <laughs> yes there was uh, the final let, Raw let guess, brand pay-per-view prior to it let me guess it was Hell in a Cell close it was uh, it was uh, a, a casket in a basket no, but it that was, would uh, be an awesome name for an Easter-themed uh, card. I it was right uh, a wrench in the trench. <laughs> uh, no comment on okay. that one. Okay, <laughs> I got that was my three guesses. What was it? Uh, it was the Elimination Chamber. And what happens there? Uh, they have a giant match where they put people in... <laughs> this is the, the weirdest thing ever. They put four people in pods and two people 
start a match, like and a, then every two minutes like a new a, person, like a Tide pod, like a like a like a. <laughs> Like a pod, like a, a a booth, like a foam booth thing, like a hyperbaric chamber. Almost. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and they slide the door open. Somebody flies out, and the last one standing wins. Oh, see, so, or, it's, uh, so it's, it's like the Royal Rumble. Then. Yeah, except it's in a cage chamber thing. Oh, of course. It's if you Google be in a cage. It, 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 I can't really explain it. You got to kind of Google it to see. You know, folks, Google well, elimination not, chamber. You know what I mean? Not to be disrespectful, but I'm not going to be googling that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I appreciate you can give the the wrestling update for the fans that do yeah. enjoy it. Nothing hey, Ra- with that. Ronda Rousey signed her WWE contract last night. That's the big thing that came out of it. So now so. she's going to do what? Wrestle at WrestleMania? At WrestleMania, yep. Which is in April? In S- April, yep. See, April. I'm not, S- I'm not totally eight, uh, misinformed. Like that. What's yeah. that Bischoff guy's name that was yeah. tweeting about how much he hates curling during the Olympics? Oh, Did you see Eric that? Bischoff, yeah. Isn't he with WWE? He used to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. What is he now? He's retired in Just Wyoming somewhere, yeah. So but was he McMahon's business partner, rival? No, was he deal? was McMahon's rival. He was the guy that was the equivalent of Vince McMahon in WCW. Oh, he that's was the guy that was. Ted Turner had hired to run WCW in the 90s. Okay. Yeah. Did you see him? his tweets mouthing off, like, why do Canadians like curling? I it's heard a lame about sport, it. I didn't or... see. I was, it wasn't in my timeline for whatever funny. reason. But... And then the United States men win the gold medal. Yeah. So I guess in his mind, that medal shouldn't count. I guess so. I don't know. That's a matter of one person's opinion. I, I, I agree with a lot that Eric has done for the wrestling business and that stuff, but that opinion, eh, maybe keep that one to yourself. I don't know. Well, he's, he's entitled. Yeah. To, like I said, there are no you're, you're, inti- you're entitled to your own opinion. That's right. You're not entitled to your own facts. Dope. If he doesn't like curling, he's entitled not to like curling. If That's he right. were to say curling is played... Uh, by throwing geese down an ice surface, that would that would he would not be entitled to that. You mean we he don't use frozen corrected. turkeys to curl? With? That would be a nice variation. Yeah. They want to make. We'll, we'll try to get Mark Kennedy on later this week. He's back. Uh, disappointing fourth place finish for the Canadian men. I he, think he got back today. Actually, he, he said he might come on the show later in the week. He knows some people. He can get some frozen turkeys up in here. <laughs> That would be something. Yes. Okay, Patrick Maroon traded to New Jersey for a third-round pick in 2019, and J.D. Dudek, who plays forward for Boston College, and the Oilers have a couple of other prospects on that team. Laura Berestecki covers Boston College sports. Laura, thanks for making time for us tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I know you were sitting around all day waiting for an Edmonton radio station to call you, right? (laughs) Of course. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks uh, thanks for making time for us tonight. Uh, you're the managing editor of BC Interruption. Um, tell us a little bit about, about that, first of all, and about the, the Boston College uh, sports scene. Is, is hockey the big team there, or, or how, does it, how does it shake down on the hierarchy? Uh, so over at BC Interruption, we're with SB Nation, so Oilers fans might be familiar with them. Um, but... Hockey is definitely our favorite, um, and the men's and women's hockey programs are the most successful programs at Boston College. Um, obviously, when you get down into the U.S., it's football and men's basketball that are the big programs, but men's and women's hockey have really dedicated but smaller fan bases on the college level. 
it, it's got to be pretty exciting there in that city with with the other teams. I guess not just in the city, but but in that area. I mean, the the college hockey must be extremely competitive, and I'm guessing the uh, the rivalries between the fans are maybe just as spirited as, as the ones on the ice. Oh yeah, I would definitely say that uh, Boston College, Boston University is probably pretty similar to what you guys get with the Flames up there. That's pretty heated, and we can be friends when it's not hockey season, but when we're playing each other, uh, not friends anymore for the night. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Laura, the Oilers uh, traded today for a Boston College player, at least for his rights, uh, J.D. Dudek, uh, who was uh, with the New Jersey Devils, drafted by them a few years ago, and today involved in the Patrick Maroon trade. Uh, just from looking at his stats, it looks like J.D. Uh, is have you know had a better year last year than this year. Uh, how would you characterize how he's doing and, and his game in general? Um, so he definitely, he's a junior this year. He made a huge jump from freshman to sophomore year. Um, was a little bit more prolific in terms of scoring last year, but he's also on a team this year that is very, very young. So it's not surprising that everyone's numbers are down a little bit. Um, but I'd say definitely where his skills lie anyway are more in um, the setting up plays, assists. He's a very good, not selfish teammate who sees the ice very well. Um, So a lot of what he's been doing for the team doesn't necessarily come across in the stats because it's setting up those plays, setting up those good passes, um, and just leadership on the team too. Okay, it's interesting too with Boston College because there are a couple of other Oiler prospects on the team I want to ask you about. One of them is Graham McPhee, who I believe is the fourth leading scorer on BC, and uh, he was just drafted by the Oilers last summer. What's he been like? Uh, McPhee has been terrific this year. Last year was his first year in college, so, um, you know, he was decent, but there was definitely room for improvement, um, and he's been definitely one of the top two players in terms of just so much improvement this year um, and we expect that that will continue he's got great hustle he's always running for the puck always trying to make that play get that goal um, so of the three players that we have um, that you guys would be interested in I would say you should be the most excited about him but I would also be a little concerned about him because with his dad as the GM of Vegas, uh, we'll see where he ultimately ends up, but he's one to be excited about. Okay, and then there is uh, Apelli Rassanen, who was also on the Finnish World Junior team. Uh, yeah. Sort of modest uh, offensive numbers, but only 19 years of age. Yeah, um, so he he hasn't been quite the force that we necessarily expected but he's also missed a few games with injury um and again kind of like Dudek definitely a player who really thrives in terms of setting up plays and when you put him with a really good player um like he played with Tolvanen who should be going to Nashville soon and together he was able to set up a lot of plays for him um so he's just another player that sees the ice really well um, and just a smart player. Okay, cool. Well, encouraging stuff, especially on uh, McPhee. Uh, hopefully the Oilers can hang yeah. on to him. Laura, thanks a lot for making time for us tonight, uh, and enjoy uh, all your work with BC Interruption and covering Boston College hockey. Yeah, thank you, guys. Laura Beristecki with the word on uh, now three Oilers prospects playing for Boston College. More on the maroon trade, more on the 
trade deadline on 630Ched.com. Final look at the scoreboard. Leafs and Lightning tied 3-3 with nine minutes left. Kucherov has left that game with an injury. Avalanche up 1-0 on the Canucks after one. Flyers and Canadians still scoreless with six minutes left in the third. Letestu scores for the Blue Jackets. They beat the Capitals 5-1. Golden Knights and Kings coming up later. Bob has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. 7 o'clock face-off show tomorrow. 8.30 puck drop. Oilers at Sharks. Thanks to the producer of Inside Sports, Dave Campbell. Thanks to the studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. Thanks to everybody who called and texted tonight. Always enjoy interacting with you. My name is Reed Wilkins. Charles Adler is next. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.